Good morning, everyone. How's everyone doing today? Good? All right. I, the, strangely enough, the 9.30 service is always the one that's awake. Uh, the 11 o'clock, not so much. So good job. We got we to gotta sell late church on the, on the later crowd, the Wednesday night service. Um, you guys seem to be doing just fine. Uh, well, normally this is the part where the person up here would say, hey, I'm the pastor here at Hilton Island Community Church. But in fact, I am the executive sous chef over at the lovely Sea Pines Resort down the road. Um, and so uh, if you're not familiar and you haven't been here for a while, uh, I have been blessed and honored with the opportunity that when Todd goes out of town, uh, he has asked me a few times in the past to, to just share his pulpit and to stand up here and to, and to teach. And it is an absolute blessing. And I get that opportunity today while Todd and his wife Cynthia are away on some well-deserved time off and time away. And so I'm um, really excited about today. And one of the things I want to do, I want to first just, just go to the Lord in prayer. So Father God, thank you so much for today and for this opportunity to just dig into your word and just pray that, God, you would, you would fill our, this place and our hearts, God, and open our hearts and our minds and allow us to hear your word today and not, not mine. I pray that the words that come out of my mouth would be completely from you, God. And we pray all this in your son's name. Uh, I am really excited about today because today we're continuing in our message series about the parables uh, that Jesus told throughout his earthly ministry. And I'm going to be talking about the parable of the tree and its fruit. And the reason I'm really excited about this is because this is the first time I've been up here preaching where I felt like the text led me to share with you the story of how I became a Christ follower, and um, which is exciting. I'm, I've, I've been kind of waiting for this opportunity, and so I, I get to do that today. So I'm really excited about this. But what I want to do first is I really want to kind of root ourselves in this text that we're going to be going from today, and it, we're going to be going from uh, Jesus's version of this in Luke chapter 6. This is a parable that he actually tells twice in his earthly ministry. We're going to be going from the version that he tells in the Sermon on the Mount. So we're going to start first in Luke 6, 43 and 45. For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad, does, does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are, grapes gather, nor are grapes from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of the evil treasure of his heart produces evil. For out of the goodness of the heart, the mouth speaks. So last week, Todd uh, shared with us this definition of a parable, he said, it is a short story of descriptive words and vivid pictures used to reveal a deep spiritual truth. Now, the author, Douglas Stewart, in his book, Reading the Bible for All It's Worth, kind of takes that a little step further. He says that when Jesus tells a parable, the thing he is first and foremost communicating to his listener is a deep spiritual truth about the kingdom of heaven. So as we just read that, what is the deep spiritual truth about the kingdom of heaven in this, in this story? Because we first have to understand that in order to truly understand 
what Jesus, is, the, the life application that we can have on this in our own lives. Because if we try and do it the opposite way, we can totally miss the point of the parable. Well, I believe that the point of this parable is that the kingdom of heaven is genuine. And that the heirs to the kingdom of heaven are noticeable by a true, genuine faith. Now that's uh, that's kind of this is kind of a big statement, and that's so. Where does that? How does that pertain to our lives? Well, first, I think we have to look at what is genuine faith, and I, I kind of define it as this: genuine faith is when the life you live lines up with the faith you proclaim. Again, genuine faith is when the life you live lines up with the faith you proclaim. Now this. This is what leads us into the story of how I became a Christ follower. Like many, like many guys who came to know Christ in their 20s, God decided that the best vessel for sharing the gospel with me at that time in my life was uh, by sending a girl who I thought was really cute. And so I ended up moving from Seattle, Washington down to Savannah, Georgia. I took a job at a country club down in Savannah, and it had like multiple locations, and so uh, every now and then we'd have a server would kind of take on an extra shift in another spot. And that's what happened with this server. She came in, she was working at, at this restaurant. I had not seen her before, but everybody else knew her. So I walked in, I was like, man, she's kind of cute. And so I went over to one of my line cooks and I was like, hey, who's the new girl? And he was like, actually, she's not new at all. She's been here for quite some time. I've known her for a long time. I'm like, man, she's cute. And he's like, dude, listen, she is super Christian. And I was like, um... Okay. And so undeterred, I went over, introduced myself, and was like, hey, how you doing? And then I started to like throw down what was like my version of game at that time, which is basically like general friendliness with an overtone of like charmingly awkwardness. And as I tried to like sit back and read the signs, which actually I had no clue what any of the signs even meant. So it was just like, so it actually took like quite some time before I even like got up the guts to ask her out, because we really only saw each other like maybe once a week, which um, so my charming awkwardness only like rubbed off so much, which probably worked to my advantage a little bit. Um, and anyway, so there as as we kind of went through this process of getting to know each other, more and more I was just attracted to her because it wasn't just physically; it was like there was something about her. There was something about her life that I was just like, oh my gosh, what is it? I want what she has. And so one day I finally was like, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask her out. I'm going to do this. I'm going to ask her out. And so she, next time she was at our restaurant, I was like, hmm, this is it. Going to do it. And so it like waited to the end of the shift. So like my awkward charming, my awkwardly charming aspect was probably on heightened alert at that day. And, um, and then as the day went on, I was trying to project some like confidence, but I didn't want to be too overconfident. So then all of a sudden, it was probably a projection of the fact that I was like overthinking it way too much, which, you know, mix that all together and you get this next, uh, this next exchange. So I just kind of walk up to her. I'm like, hey, um, would you like to go out sometime? And she's like, she, she actually says the words that completely changed my life here on earth and for all eternity. 
She said, no. <laughs> All right, now be honest, because you're in church. How many of you thought I was telling, about, telling you about how I met my wife? All right, see, there we go. All right, this, I actually met this girl. Her name is Jamie, and she said no. And then she followed up with, you know, I can't date you because you're not a Christian, but you're more than welcome to come to church with me and my friends. And I was like, I was like, what? Uh, excuse and so I think my response was something along the lines of like, I grew up Catholic, does that count? Like, and she was like, well, when was the last time you went to church? There. And it was like, boom, game, set, match, done. Like, I was out. And so we kind of like parted ways at that point, and the guy, and to like make matters worse and to rub it in, my line cook like walked up, patted me on the back, and was like, see, super Christian. And so it was like, so normally what would happen at this point is that you go one of two ways. You either go beeline to church so you can go get the girl, or you just cut and run. And you just like, cut my losses, all right, no big deal. But I wasn't ready to go to church, but at the same time, I was like, man, I'm just super attracted to this girl. I mean, it took a while uh, to, to even ask her out. And so, but then I was like in this limbo of like, I'm still kind of attracted to her, but I don't know about this whole church thing. And so we can, but we continue to be friendly. We continue to talk and she continued to invite me to church. And then um, <coughs> finally, uh, I think, uh, like, this is an agonizingly slow process, which, um, by the way, my wife and I met on eHarmony, and she can attest, the agonizingly slow process of, like, awkward, uh, charming aspect thing even comes through on email. Um, so, uh, <laughs> she's like, yes, it does. Um, she's like, amen, preach it. Um, so, uh, anyways... <laughs> <laughs> totally lost me there. That's awesome. Um, so anyway, so we end up uh, just talking over the, over a few months, and I think I asked her out. I think in about February, and this is this is how how, how stupid I am. It's now June, okay, and. She's continued to ask me to be like, hey, listen, why don't you come to church? And I go here. It's really cool. It's like late church. It's down at Savannah Christian Church. And, and, and we have like really good music. And I actually like help out and stuff like that. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. And then uh, one day I finally like we were talking about it. We were talking about faith. And because I was really interested. So I'd keep asking her spiritual questions. And then finally it was like, you know, I, listen, I believe in God, but I'm you know, I just, I, I don't know about organized religion. You know, I, I was like, I, I just, I feel like I can have my own relationship with God on my own. And she responded with this exact statement. She said, what if it's not about you? She's like, what if you're supposed to go to church because there's someone else that you could be serving there? Like, boom, mind blown, woo. I'm like, wait, this isn't all about me? Like, I'm sorry, what? Like, totally, like, whoa. And really, it was like, oh my gosh, it just dawned on me in that moment. I was like, well, there it is. Like, I wanted what she had, and there it was, this humble, genuine aspect of her life that actually, I mean, the thing that excites me about this story is that it was like, 
it was a long time. We're not talking about like that kind of good fake fruit that's actually not really good fruit. It's just like the bad fruit in disguise. This is the fruit of the spirit that actually stands the test of time. Like this was months and months and months where she was consistent and just genuine and a beautiful person and a follower of Christ in everything that she did. And so easily, I mean, she just, she communicated it with everything that she did. It's like that quote from St. Francis of Assisi where he says, like, in all that you do, speak the gospel. And when in doubt, use words. I I don't 100%, like, I you never want to like disagree with like a saint, but like I mean I do believe that you have to use words at some point because just not ordering like ordering iced tea instead of like a beer at the at the bar isn't necessarily going to get the guy next to you to come to church. Like sometimes you got to ask, okay? But and I'm not even and here's the deal I'm 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 not even saying the whole alcohol thing that was just kind of like an offshoot. Um, but here's the thing, her life was so genuine and so so faith-based, genuine, that it was beautiful, and it was lovely, and it was attractive. And get this, it was because she was faithful to the word of God. Because here's the thing, in that moment where she said no, she said no, because the Bible instructs me not to yoke myself unevenly to a non-believer. She was faithful even in that. I mean, that's, that's great. That's fruit. That is beautiful, consistent fruit. So, so let's, let's, let's take a look at this a little, bit, a little bit more. Because here's the thing. I, for some reason, we are attracted to people who have a genuine faith. There's something about them that just naturally, even if you don't believe, you're kind of like, man, there's something about that person. But what is a genuine Christian faith? And what, is, what does a genuine Christian faith look like? First of all, genuine Christian faith is a faith of action. James 1.22 states that, be doers of the word, and not just hearers only, deceiving yourselves. These are words from Jesus' brother, who ended up becoming a part of the church and actually leading the church in Jerusalem and writing this letter out to the, out to the followers who had been dispersed because of all the, all the persecution in Jerusalem. These were his words. He was like, listen, don't just be hearers of the word, be doers of the word. You know, that is why this church... So it, <laughs> about to drop the one that like where I got saved. Hilton Head Island Community Church is so passionate about serving our community. It's not just our middle name. It's a way that we do things here. Like today, so many of you have participated in bringing in supplies for CODA, an organization that helps women in their most vulnerable time when they're, when they're getting themselves out of relationships that are, that are abusive. Like We believe in that. And that is an outpouring of this genuine Christian faith that this church has and is beautiful. Now, second, genuine Christian faith is a recognizable faith. 
In Galatians 5:22 and 23, the Apostle Paul lists out the fruit of the Spirit. He says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Some of you right now are sitting there and like, oh great. Here's the list of things I have to do to get right with God. No. No. Hear me on this. The deeds and actions that we perform do not save us, but they tell the world about the one who did save us. Just, just like my friend Jamie. I mean, her actions told me about the one who saved her. They told me about Jesus Christ even when I didn't even know it. You know, sometimes the church actually does kind of a bad job of communicating this because sometimes we put the fruit before the faith in this whole thing. And I want to, I want to tell you that, that that's not the gospel. Like, you don't have to clean yourself up before you come through that door. Like, this is an okay place to not be okay. This is an okay place to have baggage. And this is an okay place to have hang-ups. But what Jesus is saying in this parable is that at some point, it's not okay to stay there. At some point, you have to realize that you are the earthly representation of the genuine kingdom of heaven to those who don't know Christ. That's weighty. I mean, it is. You, you can, when you say that to yourself, you feel it. You know, I think that, that really is what, what leads us to kind of this next question. Is what does the fruit of your life look like? You know, are, are you producing good fruit? And by doing so, are you, are you living out a genuine faith? If so, you need to abide in that. You need to abide in the Father and in the Holy Spirit, which is actually the producer of that fruit. It's not even you. It's the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you. That's what you need to do is you need to just abide in that. And we're encouraged in that in Colossians 2, 6 and 7. The Apostle Paul writes, Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. You know, I think that the, the key word in that one is rooted. I said you need to be rooted. You need to dig deep into your relationship with the Holy Spirit and and just soak up all that is just that that produces that fruit in your life. And how do you do that? You do that through a fruitful prayer life. You do that through a fruitful life of being in His Word and studying and loving Him, and then going and doing it. That is how you do it. You know, there's another aspect of this. So are you keeping that source pure? 
Because here's the thing. How easy would it have been for, for Jamie to sit there and be like, you know, if I say yes, I could get him to come to church. And then if I get him to come to church, he might come to know God. This is what we call missionary dating. Kids, listen up. All right? Here's the deal. Rarely, and I would almost say almost never, but rarely does this ever work. Because here's the deal. The fruit of the life of the non-believer, the bad fruit and the source of that will actually start to seep in to the source of the good fruit of the believer's life and will start to poison the fruit of the believer, making it bad fruit. More often than not, that relationship will actually pull the believer away rather than the believer pulling that person, that person into a relationship with Christ. Why? I've said it before. What was the beauty of what my friend Jamie did? She said no because the Bible told her no. She was faithful to it. She got me to go to church by saying no. And then living the true life of a Christian in front of me. I'm not saying to put a wall up around your life and never communicate with a non-Christian and just throw gospel bombs over the, over the wall and just be like, just I hope it hits. Like, no, no, no. We're supposed to engage. We're supposed to love people. And we're supposed to interact. And that is how we draw people into the church. But what I'm saying is you have to keep the source of your fruit pure. You have to guard that. And if you don't know how, I would, I would direct you to the book of Proverbs. Go study the book of Proverbs. It has so much wisdom and knowledge about guarding your heart, and especially in relationships. Gosh, oh, just please, especially teenagers, please go do that. You know, next, here's the deal. Here's an... The next category is kind of like, man, is, was the most productive part of your spiritual life Oops. in the past? Man, if so, you need to be awakened. You need to be awakened because here's the thing. God, like you have the Holy Spirit within you. Christ called you. God called you to faith. You have it. But it just, you've, you've gone numb to it. And you need to be awakened to it. Like maybe, maybe what's happened is like in James 1.22. You've, you've been sitting here and you've become hearers of the word and not doers. Well, listen, go do. Go serve. Because here's a genuine Christian faith isn't something that leads us to go point out other people's faults. What it does is it leads us to go to our knees next to them into the muck and the mire of their lives and to help build them up and pull them out of that and then to point them onward to the, to the producer of the fruit in our lives, which is God, the one that gave us the faith in the first place, to get down next to them and to live with them and to be with them even in their messiest parts. Or maybe your struggle is, is actually what I struggle with the most which is 
you know, kind, kind of this, like, I'm going to be honest with you, empathy is not my strongest suit. Like, I don't know if it's, like, my puritanical New England upbringing or the fact that I played a lot of contact sports in life, but my uh, natural reaction to um, dealing with someone who's got issues is kind of like, suck it up! <laughs> like, that's basically what I want to say. But that's not, that's, that's not a genuine faith. That's not how it's lived out. And, uh, like, in the, in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 11, verse, verse 19, God's telling uh, the nation of Israel through Ezekiel, who, and they're dealing with something similar to this. They're in exile, and they're in exile because they, were, they, they, they had this, this higher-than-now attitude, and they, were, and they were actually super sinful. And, and God was like, listen, done, time out, done. But then he's communicating with them through Ezekiel. He's saying, no, I've got something even greater. And it says, and I will give them one heart and a new spirit I will put within them. I will remove the heart of stone from their flesh and give them a heart of flesh. Here's the thing. Like God, God called me. You know, I, I showed up to church just after, after Jamie kind of threw that bomb on me that it wasn't all about me. So, uh, so I, ended up, I ended up in church. And, and, and I, I sat in the back just in case it got weird and they brought snakes out or anything like that. And then I was like, uh, which they didn't, I was like, whew, all right. Because, um, you know, I grew up in New England, so I didn't know what Southern Church was like. Um, and so... Uh, <laughs> So, 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 so I show up, and I, and I went down in front, and I, I was like, I'm like, Jamie, thank you so much for being persistent and just for inviting me. And then she introduced me to her new boyfriend, and, um, uh, who then in turn invited me to a Bible study. And I was like, what is going on? But uh, like, so, so then what happened is I, I, I gained these friends, and I started going to a Bible study, and I started going to church. And then a month later, Jamie and Jeff and Sarah and Jason all stood out on the beach on Tybee Island bright and early one morning while Dave Allgaier, the pastor at Lay Church down in Savannah Christian Church, walked out into the ocean with me and baptized me into a new faith in Jesus Christ. So here's the thing. The Holy Spirit is inside of me. But sometimes my heart is hard. Sometimes I allow this heart of flesh to become a heart of stone. And there's this line in a Hillsong United song called Hosanna, which is my prayer. It's my constant prayer. This singer is just pleading out to God, break my heart for what breaks yours. That needs to be my prayer. I need to be awakened sometimes from this stupor. I wanted to use a different word, and uh, it's kind of like a theological word, and so Ryan, this one's for you. Um, it's called uh, vivification. Um, and, so, and Ryan and Todd was like, 
let's, let's take it down a little bit. And I was like, okay. But vivification is like the process by which you reawaken to the, to the spirit. And it's this warmth and love that you feel through living the Christian life. And some of us just need to be reawakened here. So, so too, please hear. And God, I pray that you would wake people up today. Maybe you're, maybe you're sitting there in your chair and you're like, you know what, I, I don't see any fruit at all in my life. I don't know if I've ever seen any fruit. You know what, I just feel spiritually dead. You know, has your life been void of producing any good fruit? If so, then you need to be made alive. And here's the deal. This is what's beautiful. The God of the Bible specializes in bringing people back from the dead. Like, that's his thing. It's his thing. And so, like, we read Ephesians 1, Ephesians 2, verse 1 and 2. It says, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins, which you once walked following the course of the world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Listen, you, you may be living a life of spiritual just death right now, but that doesn't have to be the case. As I said, we, we serve a God who, who specializes in bringing people back from the dead, and this is how, verse 8 Paul goes on and says, for by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it's a gift from God. Here's the deal. You don't have to do, do, do. You don't have to fill out this checklist of things to do to get right with God before you can even feel comfortable walking through the door, because this is the thing. Jesus Christ came to this earth, lived a sinless life, and then died a sacrificial death on the cross, the death that, the punishment that for our transgressions, and here's the deal, all of us, me, you, everyone, the person sitting next to you, we've all fallen short of the glory of God. Every single one of us. And Jesus, instead of sitting, instead of being on the cross saying, do this, do this, do this, he said, no, it's done. And so when we breathe our last breath on this earth, and we stand before God, and he judges our life. If you've done this, if you've, if you've taken that free gift and accepted his grace, which is putting your faith in the fact that Jesus died for you, he will stand between you and your judgment and say, that is on me. I took care of that on the cross. He is clean or she is clean. You know, maybe, you've, maybe your life has been a spiritual dead spot. And you just need to, to take up that free gift of faith that God is offering you today. God, I pray that you do. I pray that you do take up that gift today. You know, because here's the deal. You can live a life of genuine faith where the life you live lines up with the faith that you proclaim, and that faith is the saving faith of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father God, we love you so much, God, and we thank you 
so much for, for your son, for his death on the cross. God, we thank you for his sacrifice and the fact that we deserve all that he got on that cross, God. But you took it for us. And so, Father, we, we just ask right now that, you know, right now that we would just reflect a little bit and just say if, if, if maybe you've, you're living out a great life right now, I pray that you would be encouraged to abide in that. If you're feeling like you've, like you've just, you've just kind of gotten held back in it, God, I pray that we would awaken today. And if you've never felt that love and that genuine Christian faith, God, I pray that you would just, that you would lead people right now and that they would just accept that free gift of faith, God. Father, we love you. We thank you for the gift of Jesus. We pray all this in your son's name. Amen.